Chapter Seven of Wild Wales. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Steve Goff. Wild Wales by George Borrow. Chapter Seven. The house or cottage, for it was called a cottage, though it consisted of two stories, in which my wife had procured lodgings for us was situated in the northern suburb. Its front was towards a large perlan, or orchard, which sloped down gently to the banks of the Dee. Its back was towards the road leading from Wrexham, behind which was a high bank, on the top of which was a canal, called in Welsh the Camlas, whose commencement was up the valley about two miles west. A little way up the road towards Wrexham was the vicarage, and a little way down was a flannel factory, beyond which was a small inn with pleasure grounds, kept by an individual who had once been a gentleman's servant. The mistress of the house was a highly respectable widow, who, with a servant-maid, was to wait upon us. It was as agreeable a place in all respects as people like ourselves could desire. As I and my family sat at tea in our parlour, an hour or two after we had taken possession of our lodgings, the door of the room, and that of the entrance of the house, being open, on account of the fineness of the weather, a poor black cat entered hastily, sat down on the carpet by the table, looked up towards us, and mewed piteously. I never had seen so wretched a looking creature. It was dreadfully attenuated, being a little more than skin and bone, and was sorely afflicted with an eruptive malady and here i may as well relate the history of this cat previous to our arrival which i subsequently learned by bits and snatches it had belonged to a previous vicar of llangollen and had been left behind at his departure his successor brought with him dogs and cats who conceiving that the late vicar's cat had no business at the vicarage drove it forth to seek another home which however it could not find almost all the people of the suburb were dissenters as indeed were the generality of the people of Langotlin, and knowing the cat to be a church cat, not only would not harbour it, but did all they could to make it miserable, whilst the few who were not dissenters would not receive it into their houses, either because they had cats of their own, or dogs, or did not want a cat, so that the cat had no home, and was dreadfully persecuted by nine-tenths of the suburb. Oh, there was never a cat so persecuted as that poor Church of England animal, and solely on account of the opinions of which it was supposed to have imbibed in the house of its late master, for I never could learn that the dissenters of the suburb, nor indeed of Llangollen in general, were in the habit of persecuting other cats. The cat was a Church of England cat, and that was enough. Stone it, hang it, drown it, were the cries of almost everybody. If the workmen of the flannel factory all of whom were Calvinistic Methodists, chanced to get a glimpse of it in the road from the windows of the building, they would sally forth in a body, and with sticks, stones, or for want of other weapons, with clots of horse-dung, of which there was always plenty on the road, would chase it up the high bank, or perhaps over the Camelas. The inhabitants of a small street between our house and the factory, leading from the road to the river, all of whom were dissenters, if they saw it moving about the Pertlan, into which their back windows looked, would shriek and hoot at it, and fling anything of no value which came easily to hand, 
at the head or body of the ecclesiastical cat. The good woman of the house, who, though a very excellent person, was a bitter dissenter, whenever she saw it upon her ground or heard it was there, would make after it, frequently attended by her maid Margaret and her young son, a boy of about nine years of age, both of whom hated the cat, and were always ready to attack it, either alone or in company. And no wonder, the maid being not only a dissenter, but a class teacher, and the boy not only a dissenter, but intended for the dissenting ministry. Where it got its food, and food it sometimes must have got, for even a cat, an animal known to have nine lives, cannot live without food, was only known to itself, as was the place where it lay, for even a cat must lie down sometimes. Though a labouring man who occasionally dug in the garden told me he believed that in the springtime it ate freshets. And the woman of the house once said that she believed it sometimes slept in the hedge, which hedge, by the by, divided our petland from the vicarage grounds, which were very extensive. Well might the cat, after having led this kind of life for better than two years, look mere skin and bone when it made its appearance in our apartment, and have a eruptive malady, and also a bronchitic cough, for I remember it had both. How it came to make its appearance there is a mystery, for it had never entered the house before, even when there were lodgers. That it should not visit the woman who was its declared enemy was natural enough, but why, if it did not visit her other lodgers, did it visit us? Did instinct keep it aloof from them? Did instinct draw it towards us? We gave it some bread and butter, and a little tea with milk and sugar. It ate and drank, and soon began to purr, the good woman of the house was horrified when, on coming in to remove the things, she saw the church cat on her carpet. "'What impudence!' she exclaimed, and made towards it. But on our telling her that we did not expect that it should be disturbed, she let it alone. A very remarkable circumstance was that though the cat had hitherto been in the habit of flying, not only from her face, but the very echo of her voice, it now looked her in the face with perfect composure, as much as to say— I don't fear you, for I know that I am now safe and with my own people. It stayed with us two hours, and then went away. The next morning it returned. To be short, though it went away every night, it became our own cat, and one of our family. I gave it something which cured it of its eruption, and through good treatment it soon lost its other ailments, and began to look sleek and bonny. End of chapter 7